Thank you. Thank you so much. Always wonderful to be back in this great city. And um, I really have the honor of introducing Marge, who's going to come to speak first. Um, we had the privilege of, in Leicester, of hosting a conference just over a week ago. And uh, it's really difficult to put into words the content of the conference. So I'm not even going to try. But it was a, a, a prophetic conference. And God is breaking his people into greater appreciation of the heavenly realm and how to broker heaven's realm into the earth and God's perspective and God's heart. And um, Marge and I were doing a, a breakout session at the conference called Developing Prophetic Culture. And uh, Mark and Stu, where's Stu? Oh, he's helping in there, okay. We're, we're at the conference and Mark said, we would love for you to share on that. And um, so that's why we're doing what we're doing, Marge, is about to speak, as, a, as I say. I just want to introduce her by saying that when we first came to Leeds, I came here because I was asked to lead the church. And uh, we were in the process of getting married. Uh, we hadn't yet got married. And so she came along for the congregation here a bit unexpectedly because they were expecting me and we both showed up. And for Marge, it was, I'm to be in the limelight and she's happy just to sit there. What has been a delight for me is to see the way in which what God has put in this wonderful lady has grown and developed over the years. I got an inkling of it early on because we had the offices on the hedgerow back then. And uh, remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And our offices on the hedgerow, um, John and I shared an office there. Pat was there. Andrew was there. And um, I remember this one day preparing for some series that we were about to launch into. And I, I remember there were books all over my desk as I was researching stuff and pulling it and collating it all together. And... Uh, the reality is, it had been a, a not a very productive day. I, I'd, I'd had the books all out, but it's like, Lord, I'm not hearing anything. And I remember driving home thinking, Lord, unless you speak, you know, I, I, I just don't want to collate something where your voice isn't being heard. So um, I take the drive home to where we were living at that time up in Cookridge, and I walked into the house, and, you know, Marge has got two young kids, and uh, besides our two older girls, and at the tea table, she says to me, while I was stood at the sink today, God said. And I had spent all day in books, 
and received nothing. And she had just stood at the sink with kids around her feet. And she'd heard the voice of God. And I have seen that hearing of the voice of God grow and develop. So that the lady that first came to Leeds has grown into something completely different. Somebody that hears God so clearly. What I love about her is this, that she is absolutely authentic. There is no side. There is no performance. There is no putting on a show. What you see is absolutely what you get. Uh, even though she's from Yorkshire, there's, pl- there's plenty of performance in Yorkshire, isn't it? Look at the look at the theatres in town. You know, there's plenty of performance, but there isn't. I don't see any performance in this lady. What I see is authenticity. And why I'm saying that is this: in the heavenly realms, there is no performance. Because there's absolute transparency, because there's pure light. And people are who they are. And if they try to be somebody else, it would just be so apparent they're not being who they are. And so part of the expression of the prophetic is that we have to be authentic. Because if we're not, then God can't anoint who he has truly made us to be. So... It is my joy to introduce my gorgeous wife, Marge. Come on. I've tried being what people think I should be, and I really messed up, so I much prefer being me. Even with if I do put my foot in it sometimes and open my mouth and put both feet in, but it keeps Ian laughing anyway. <laughs> and God. Um, it's, it's amazing really because I look back and I remember when I first came to Leeds and saying to Ian don't ask me to speak to anybody don't ask me to speak at the front don't ask me to be seen <laughs> don't leave me don't leave me with these people I don't know um, I'm so grateful actually to the absolute love of the people the, you know, John and Kate and the Greys and Andrea and I might miss some of you out but the people who just loved me even though I might have messed up at times, they still loved me, and it's just wonderful to still have these guys in our life. But, you know, maybe 30 years. We've just been celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary, but I've had prophetic word way back then, which I kind of dismissed that I would be stood doing this. And, um, And I'm kind of, no, 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 that's not me. But it's amazing what God has done in me, really, to bring me to this point where, to be honest, I would still choose to um, put my rubber gloves and my apron on and hide in the kitchen. But I know that's not what God is asking, always asking me to do. But um, I've had to go on a real journey of, of healing, of hearing from Father who he says I am and how he sees me. And I still am on that journey because I'm a work in progress and we are being made like him. And so it is a journey. And, um, you know, 
In 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it's a well-known passage where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Or in the message version says, I am just make the sound of a rusty squeaking gate if I don't have love. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if we're to move into the prophetic, we have to be living in a life of love. And first of all, we have to know how much we are loved. And I don't know this side of eternity, if I'll ever grasp how much he loves me. But Paul encourages to test the depths, you know, reach to the heights of his love. And it is a never-ending journey into his love. And it's just an amazing journey. And then in the following chapter, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And in order to, you know, move into prophecy, to live in the prophetic, we have to go after a life of love. The message version again says, Go after a life of love as though your life depends on it, because it does. And then it follows on with them going after the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And in Corinthians it says, Faith, hope, and love go after those, but the greatest of these is love. And so in order to have a prophetic culture, because we're encouraged, all of us, to prophesy, we have to have a culture of inner healing and transformation so that we're living in his love. And we're not living for his love, but we're living from his love. We don't have to do anything to get his love. He just loves us. And once we know that, I used to often say, well, I don't know where I fit. And, I, and I'd given up my job to work with Ian, and I'm sat in this elders meeting, I'm thinking, I have no idea where I fit in this team. And I had to go back to Father and say, I don't know where I fit. And he said, first of all, Marge, there's a place in my heart just for you where you fit. And that's all I want you to do is get into that place and let me love you. And from that place of love, you'll find where you fit. And to encourage you all to get into that place with him, because he has a place in his heart for every one of you where you can just bask in his love, you can be healed in his love, be transformed in his love, be empowered to be who he called you to be in his love. And then we live from that love. And um, so our value system for ourselves has to be the same value system that the Father has for us. Um, scripture says we love our, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that means we have to love ourselves to the extent the Father loves us. If we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we can only give what we've got. And how much love we have to give depends on how much of the Father's love we're living in. And so we prophesy over people. We bring a prophetic word. We bring prophetic encouragement, a prophetic prayer from a place of knowing that we're loved. And it means we have to be intentional of living in intimacy with Father, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit. And I can promise you there's nothing like it.
There's nothing like living and practicing intimacy with the, with the Trinity. You know, if I want to carry Father's heart to people, which is the prophetic, is carrying the Father's heart to his children, then I have to be tucked in close to hear his heart for them. You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And if Holy Spirit, which is Jesus unlimited, is living inside of us, we can hear what the Father's saying. And we can see what he's doing. And we can do that. And he's cheering us on to do it. You know, I used to think I was average. And I thought, how can I just be average? I realize that now. When I have, how can I just be ordinary? When I have such an extraordinary Holy Spirit living in me. And again, the message Bible tells us to go out and be a breath of fresh air and be extraordinary because we have an extraordinary Holy Spirit living in every one of us. And so for me, to stay in intimacy, I love to soak. I'll just share how it works for me. So I love to put music on. I'm on my own, put some worship music on either without words or with words. And for me, I like to just lay down on my settee or my bed. We've just got a new recliner settee, so it's just wonderful to put that up. And uh, I just say, Holy Spirit, come and love me. Show me the Father's love. And I just stay there, you know, and sometimes I, I don't have time for long, but I try and make, because I'm working with you and I can take the time out, and Wednesday morning is in my calendar, and I'll spend the whole morning sometimes just, just being soaked by his love. That's why we call it soaking, because he's saturating me with his love, so that I can get so filled up that there's nothing of the grotty stuff that I used to think about myself can remain there, because his love is just cleaning it all out. And that I can just go and overflow with that love then. Be it a prophetic word, a word of encouragement. Maybe God just tells me to hug somebody. Send somebody. A fa I sent somebody a Facebook message yesterday with a scripture I'd read. And um, I just said, I just felt to send you this. And she just texted me back and she went, wow, what perfect timing. And because I'm soaking in his love, I'm hearing stuff for other people. And that is moving in the prophetic. But there's a culture in here that's working first of transformation and healing. And if you get so, so saturated, if you fill a glass so full, eventually it overflows. I want to just overflow with love to others. And Ian and I have found that. You know, we've just sat and we've just been soaking in his presence, soaking up his love. And then I said, right, we need to go to Tesco's, which was near us. And we stood there because we're like, kind of, wow. Stood in Tesco thinking, what, what have we come for? And uh, noticing that people are walking past us and then they're stopping. And then they walk past again. And, you know, you're thinking, has my makeup run or that kind of thing? And then you realize, hey, I'm leaking. My internal environment is changing the external environment. I'm overflowing with love. I said to him, I want to get so filled up with his love and overflowing that somebody walks past me and gets healed, you know, walk that kind of thing. 
That's my aim, to be so overflowing in his love. And so in order to have a prophetic culture, this culture has to change as well. We have to have an inward culture of love and of transformation and being brave to let the barriers down and let him in and love you. And it's funny, we put up barriers against God, but he knows what we're like anyway. He wants to show you what he's like, and he's good, and he's kind, and he's loving. And he wants to show you what you were like. You were made in his image, and you were precious to him. And he wants to talk to you, and he wants to whisper your name in a way that nobody else has ever said your name, so that you can then overflow with others, with, with prophetic encouragement and love to others. I found out that my name means pearl. And when Ian said, I'm authentic, I was once getting up to speak in a church in Germany, actually. And just before I got up, there's these voices coming. You're just a fake. You're just putting this on. This isn't really you. You're making all this up. I'm like, help me here, Lord. And he immediately reminded me, he said, your name means pearl, and you are not a fake pearl. You are a genuine, authentic pearl. And it's like, right, I'm good to go. And then I can bring that encouragement to others. And in all that, I just want to say that journaling, all that God says to you when you take the time out to be intimate, is so important because you can forget what he said. And for me, I write down the things that he said to me, the healing words he's brought to me, the times when he's reminded me of something that happened in my life and somebody I need to forgive. And he took me back to when I was 11 and, and I was unjustly treated by a teacher and it was really painful, and I'd forgotten, and he reminded me of it. And I went, he showed me how damaged and hurt this teacher herself was. And I just said, I forgive her, Lord, and if she's still alive, just bless her. I release her, she owes me nothing. And I just felt so much lighter. And you don't know the stuff you're carrying until you allow the Holy Spirit to just search you and heal you up. Because he wants nothing in you that would damage you. And so even to journal that down, and you can look back, I've, looked, I've got two journals now, and when I read them, it's like this is his word to me, and it's like reading a love letter. And sometimes, you know, I'm going through stuff, and I can open the journal, look at what has been written, and I think, wow, well, this is how you feel about me. This is what you've done, and it's such an encouragement. And practicing intimacy means you begin to catch his heart for people easily. But it is a journey. When I was first married to Ian, I didn't always understand him. He didn't always understand me. Still doesn't at times. And I just didn't get him, as people say. But over the years, because we're intentional in keeping our hearts connected, we're intentional in intimacy, it's easy now to to catch how Ian is feeling. You know, I can look at him sometimes and I know what he's feeling and vice versa. But it's taken time and we have to keep connected. We keep having to make the time to connect. Monday is our day off and we make sure we do stuff together. Friday is date night, so we make sure that we're not texting and doing all the other things and reading emails. But it's just for us two. So that... We're catching each other's heart. And if you want to catch God's, God's heart for others, you have to practice being intimate with him. 
And, you know, in the prophetic, my, my experience of the prophetic was over years ago, was always been told how I need to change. God says this about you and you need to change in this. And I never really heard words of love from the Father. And sure, God has shown me things in people, but instead of point, everyone, you know, anyone can point out the negative in people. God would show me and show me how, why they're like that. You know, I say, Lord, well, why are they like that? Because they're hurting, because this has happened. Well, what do you want me to do? I just want you to pray. Or I want you to say this to them. And, it, and I don't need to mention the hurt, but I can say how God sees them and what he wants to do. And in a prophetic culture, we're looking for the treasure in people. We're looking for the gold that God put in them. The stuff that he had for them before they were born. And I just want to share um, something I heard from Graham Cook, who is he's a British guy living in America, but he is just a lovely prophet, so living out of the Father's love. And he was saying he went to a church where he could see, God showed him that the associate pastor, he saw the associate pastor with a knife in his hand, in, in a picture, in a vision. And he was putting it in the senior guy's back. And he was spreading rumors. Now he could have said to this guy, this is what I see you doing. And exposed him, but God doesn't want to do that. And so he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And God told him what to say. And he had the associate pastor stand with his back um, against the senior guy. And he said, this is what God says. He says, I see you protecting him, covering his back. You are a guy that cheers him on. And he spoke into him what he was to be. And this associate pastor, he said, was totally undone that God didn't expose him, but encouraged him to be the opposite. And Graham Cook said, he came to me privately and said, can I, let me tell you. And he went, no, let me tell you. And he told him what God had shown him. And this guy was absolutely blown away, undone, and totally transformed, that although God saw what he was doing, he didn't expose him, but spoke into him what he was to be. And he was an absolute joy to work with, with this guy. And he eventually went on to lead another church. But can you see just the heart of God? That this guy knew what he was like, but God showed him what he was really like. And, um, but that had been my experience, was quite a negative experience. And in 2006, Ian and I went to Bethel Church in Redding, California for a leaders conference. And when we got there, um, we registered and they said, would you like a prophetic appointment? Now, I'm feeling really rubbish about myself. I just thought, I'm just average. I'll never amount to anything. Let me stay in his shadow. And um, so I went and they said, you like a prophetic appointment? I said, what's that? They said, well, you go into a room and there's people sat in threes and you'll be sat in front of three people and they'll prophesy over you. So I just went, yeah, okay. So we go in and it's three well, I said children to me. One was about in her 20s. The other, he was probably 16 and one that looked about 12. Uh, oh my gosh, they're kids. So I went, it's okay, Lord. And then I go to God, anything you want to expose in me, go ahead. This is just, you know, all the rubbish, go ahead. Throw it at me. And we sat down. Do you want to play? I'm just going to play the first little bit that she prophesied over me. 
moment of exquisite beauty and you hold yourself high and you are a woman of excellence and you have a grace to be in authority. Um, I saw you as this high ruling queen and you, you just commanded the presence of people and their attention and um, but you rule with grace and you have a lot of favor on your life to be who you are, to be excellent, to be exquisite, to be um, absolutely amazing. The king is enthralled with your beauty. Um, God looks upon you and, and just blushes. I mean, he just gets so excited about you and who you are and the way that he's created you to be. You, you have a lot of wisdom, um, and that's how you rule that authority properly. Yeah. I mean, we, and, and this prophetic word went on, there's some stuff for Ian, some stuff for us both, and it lasted probably five minutes, and we managed to, and then they gave us the recording, and we managed to hold ourselves together and then just got outside and, and we just bawled. And I'm like, I just never knew that God saw me like that. I didn't even understand about him being a father. But that set us on a whole journey, didn't it, Ian, into the father's heart. And not one word about, you know, you see yourself as rubbish or anything like that. She And these were kids. But what struck me was those people could not have prophesied like that if they didn't know who they were themselves, that the purity and the excellence that they heard from Father was because they were on a journey themselves into the Father's heart, being intimate with him, taking time out to be loved by him, to hear what he said about them, so that then they could hear from Father for others. And I don't, I don't see how we can live any other way but out of his love, um, the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, and take his heart out in, out of these four walls into the world. Whatever your world is, be it the school playground, be it the shops, wherever you are, you have a world that God is wanting you to affect and take his love into. That, that Just the way you smile at somebody will be different when you know how much you are loved. And... Yeah, that is my encouragement to be intentional in being loved up by Father and knowing who you are and knowing whose you are. And, you know, um, I'm just going to share a fun thing that we did when we were at Bethel in November at the conference that um, Mark and Kathy were at with us. And they had breakout sessions, and I went to one called the Advanced Prophetic. You're like, hmm because you know you're going to get asked to do something. But um, the guy, Dan McCollum, who led it, said, uh, I want you to find somebody you don't know, and I want you to tell them three things about their family. And you ask God what to tell. So you find somebody you don't know, at which point I want to be in the kitchen with my rubber gloves and my apron. <laughs> and um, so we start, you know, and I think I got one right, and this girl and I were trying to be really nice to each other, you know. Have you got a brother? No, I've got a sister, but you're 50% right. Well done. <laughs> that kind of thing. So 
Dan pulls his back together and he said, how many of you got three right? So everyone who got three right gets a clap. And how many get two right? You get a clap. How many get one? I get another cheer. He said, who got none right? So people put their hands up and he said, you get a standing ovation for taking the risk and trying. So we all had to stand and give them a standing ovation. So this happened about three times and he gave us harder things to do each time. And by the time we got to the third try, and he said, who didn't get anything right? Everyone's going, yeah, we didn't get anything right. We get a standing ovation. <laughs> and it's this whole culture of, of, of learning, of practicing. Because, you know, church is supposed to be family. Church is family. And in your own natural family, we make mistakes, but we don't get clobbered for them. You just, you know, your child starts to learn to walk and they fall over. And you just say, good try, you pick them up and you help them on again. And so church should be where we're learned to, we can make mistakes and it's okay. And we get cheered on for having a go. Um, and so, yeah, my encouragement is because of reading, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, is to go after a life of love and then eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, but especially prophecy because that is carrying his heart from your heart in him to a hurting world as well as to one another prophetic encouragement a prophetic letter however that looks i'm going to let ian come on now in this house we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.